0: A very common topic in the narcissistic abuse recovery community is the debate on forgiveness. To forgive those who trespass against you or not. Now, I can't give you that answer. That's a personal decision that only you can make. In this episode, what I can give you are some things to think about that will hopefully help you find the inner clarity and direction that you are seeking in this difficult topic. First, I'm going to talk about spiritual bypassing, which is often done to force forgiveness through avoidance of the emotional pain. I'll mention how spiritual or religious abusers will use this as a tool for grooming and avoidance of self-responsibility, and I'll also bring your attention to how you might be doing it to yourself as a result of your spiritual religious beliefs. Then, I'm going to bring up the topic of codependent forgiveness, which is a really unhealthy form of forgiveness that you might be doing without realizing it. Finally, I'll give you some steps that you can put into place to help yourself work toward forgiveness and prevent the same kinds of hurtful things happening to you again. This is Meredith Miller, and you're listening to the Inner Integration Podcast, where you can learn the mindsets and tools to self-heal after narcissistic abuse. I recently did a video on the spiritual narcissist. If you haven't seen it yet, check that out on YouTube. I mentioned that one of the most common tools that a spiritual or religious abuser will use is forcing you into forgiveness before you're ready. There's a clever term for this, spiritual bypassing. This is a form of escapism for the person doing it and a form of dismissal for the person forcing you to do it. The term spiritual bypassing was coined by John Wellwood in 1984. He had noticed this phenomenon happening in the Buddhist community, where spiritual terminology and practices were used to avoid emotions, pain, and difficult life tasks. It's a way of avoiding dealing with the difficult stuff that we don't want to deal with. You'll notice this in all kinds of spiritual communities and also religions. The word bypass means to go around an obstruction or a means of circumvention. So spiritual bypassing is to use your spiritual or religious beliefs in order to avoid the difficult emotions and inner work that are necessary to do after difficult life experiences such as abuse. The spiritual abuser forces you into forgiving them and others by shaming you or guilt tripping you into it. When you first meet a spiritual narcissist, they will immediately start forcing you to share the pain of your past so they can identify what they can use against you. As soon as you identify the abuse of your past and an abuser of your past, they will start grooming you to forgive and forget what happened. They don't care about what happened or how it affected you, they're only concerned with grooming you to believe that the only answer to feeling hurt is to immediately forgive those who hurt you. This is because they're preparing you for down the road when they start to abuse you. When that happens, as soon as you bring up how they hurt you, they'll remind you of the perspective that they've been working on installing in your mind, that you just need to let go and move on. It's a clever way they try to avoid responsibility. Whether the narcissist you met belongs to a religion or a spiritual organization, they will do the same thing using the particular jargon of that religion or form of spirituality. They'll throw a word salad at you until you feel overwhelmed, confused, ashamed, and guilty for not being more forgiving. This is abuse, no matter how pretty they wrap it in religious or spiritual text. You get to decide when and if you forgive someone. No one else can tell you that. When someone forces you to forgive them or someone else, that is spiritual abuse. They're either trying to keep you in an abusive relationship or they're grooming you for it. Here are some specific examples of spiritual bypassing used as a form of coercive control, meaning when someone else is doing spiritual bypassing on you in order to get you to minimize the abuse. They'll say things like, just let it go. It's no one's fault. Everything is a mirror. If you can recognize it in someone else, then it must be in you too. Positive vibes only. Love and light. If you don't forgive, you're not a spiritual, religious, or compassionate person. Anger is low vibrational and you're not spiritual if you feel angry. Just ask Jesus to heal it. Just learn to forgive. Ask Jesus to forgive you god will take care of it here are some examples of spiritual bypassing that you might be doing to yourself you'll hear these sorts of things in your inner dialogue well they had a bad childhood so i should have compassion for them i should just focus on the positive the only reason i was in an abusive relationship is because i'm an empath and they just wanted my light and love my guru is the one true master and whatever they say i should believe To avoid spiritual bypassing, I recommend that you work on feeling, processing, and releasing the heavy feelings left behind after abuse. Now, this doesn't happen overnight. It certainly doesn't happen from one moment to the next. This process is not to benefit the abuser in any way. Instead, it's to help you free yourself from the pain. This work is not spiritual bypassing, but rather actually facing the pain, feeling the feelings, and working through them all at your own pace. This can take months or even years, especially if you're dealing with abuse in the family that went on for decades and cut very deep into your soul and your sense of self. Be patient with yourself in this process. So when you're considering whether to forgive or not, you might be wondering why would it benefit you to work on forgiveness? It will benefit you so that you can free yourself from the bondage to the pain of the past. So you can let go of revenge fantasies. So you can stop worrying about whether or not karma will catch up to the abuser. So you can be at peace inside yourself. So you can feel joy again. So you can end the streak of bad luck that seems to be following you ever since the abusive relationship. So you can put down the heavy feelings that are not your burden to carry. So you can stamp that bag of shit feelings, return to sender. That way, the rightful owner has to deal with the karma of their actions instead of you taking responsibility for it. People sometimes ask, how do abusers get away with it? I think it's because they trick you into owning the responsibility of their actions by transferring their heavy feelings onto you. Those heavy feelings seem to warp the space-time around you like a heavy mass does in outer space. Now, are you not supposed to feel a certain way when people abuse you? No, that's not what I'm saying. You're allowed to feel how you feel. The thing is, if you hold on to those feelings long-term, without working on processing and releasing them, which is empowerment via taking self-responsibility and doing the work versus staying stuck in the victimhood of blame the rest of your life. Those awful feelings will continue to make you feel horrible and they'll attract more experiences that remind you that you feel that way. Then when you meet healthy people and Healthy doesn't mean perfect. It means people who are focused on personal growth and doing the work to overcome their past, because we all have some kind of traumas in our past. Those healthy people will be turned off by you because they feel uncomfortable hanging out with someone who radiates those heavy feelings all the time. Now, I want to address the topic of codependent forgiveness. This is when you keep turning the other cheek. When you forgive to your own detriment, it's about rug-sweeping the pain and the hurt and allowing people to keep treating you that way. And every time, you just keep forgiving them and going back for more. Now, people do this for various reasons. The number one reason tends to be religious or spiritual programming that you learned at home. Codependent forgiveness was modeled by the grandmother in the Dirty John Netflix series, She forgave her son-in-law, who killed her daughter, and she stayed in contact with him. She would go on and on about how it's necessary to forgive. Her adult daughter didn't have a relationship with the man who killed her sister. However, she clearly had that mental programming, which kept her repeating abusive relationship after relationship, continually taking Dirty John back, no matter what he did, and putting her own daughter in harm's way because of it. It's impossible to forgive someone who's currently actively abusing you, unless of course you're talking about codependent forgiveness and rug sweeping in order to maintain the relationship. Remember, you're allowed to feel how you feel, and you're allowed to let that go when you're ready. Maybe you don't want to call it forgiveness because of the connotations of that word. So maybe you prefer a term like emotional processing, letting go. You can call it whatever you want. Your feelings matter, no matter what they taught you. Ignore the pressure to forgive or to make amends with people who abused you. When people are pressuring you to forgive them or someone else, flag that as unhealthy behavior. They could be an abuser, or if not, they might be an enabler, which can be equally dangerous for you. When people want to force you into denial, minimization, rationalization and justification for the abuse that took place, or pretending that it didn't happen, that's not okay. If someone can't accept self-responsibility for their actions, how can you have a healthy relationship with them? If people want to force you to forgive someone for something they never owned or made amends about, how can you still feel good about yourself while maintaining a relationship with them? This is something that very frequently happens when you speak up about childhood sexual abuse in the family. Other members who don't want to believe it will try to pretend it didn't happen and even blame you for speaking about it. Those are not your allies, even when they're family members. Those people don't care about you and the suffering you went through. They only care about protecting the image of the family as well as the pedophile and predator. If you want to heal from those experiences, it usually comes down to going no contact with people who deny your truth and shift the blame to you because the only other option is to take on the self-blame for what happened to you and to continue to suffer in silence. That's not quality of life. That will make you sick. If the abuser in your family is still alive and your family is still trying to force you to reconcile the relationship Or attend events where that person will be out of obligation because they're family. Remind yourself that you and only you get to decide to reconcile a relationship or not. Now, maybe you're feeling like you're ready to work on the process of forgiveness. So here are some steps I would recommend for the process. Number one, give yourself some space and distance from the person who hurt you. You can tell yourself this is temporary while you're working through the process if you're not ready to go no contact yet. This space and distance will help you to get new perspective over the situation. Number two, face the truth relentlessly. This means labeling the abuse and the abuser. It's helpful to write the sobriety list where you list every hurtful, abusive, manipulative thing that person has done to you and you read that list frequently. Facing the truth helps you to break through the cognitive dissonance. Number three, let yourself really feel the feelings. Cry all you need to. Do some anger processing exercises, etc. And recognize that it's okay to feel everything that you're feeling. This is a grieving process. Number four, replace those feelings as you're ready and replace them with self-love. This means processing memories and flashbacks that come up and labeling them with vocabulary like the covert aggressive manipulation tactics listed in Dr. George Simon's book In Sheep's Clothing. Self-love in this case is about releasing the false blame that you've internalized from those experiences and the DARVO reaction from the abuser and their enablers. If you don't know about DARVO yet, check out the YouTube video that I did on that topic. Number five. Re-evaluate your values. This means taking an inventory of what really matters to you and articulating those values. Number six, Create new standards based on your values. These standards are about what is acceptable behavior of yourself and others that is in alignment with your values. Number seven. Set new boundaries to protect your standards. This means identifying behaviors of yourself and others that are unacceptable if you want to maintain your standards. This is what rebuilds your self-worth after abuse. By the way, if you want help with raising your self-worth after abuse, check out a new course I added to the website called Raising Your Self-Worth. This was a mental ninja mastery class that we did in July. It will help you to understand what happened to your self-worth through the abuse and how to rebuild it. Number eight: Re-evalue the relationship if they're still in your life or you've just taken temporary distance from the person who hurt you. Juxtapose that person and the relationship next to your new sense of integrity, standards, boundaries, and growing self-worth. If you're still unsure whether that person deserves a place in your life, you might choose to have a conversation with the person. During that conversation, ask yourself, did they change? Did they accept self-responsibility for their actions? Did they work to make it right to you? Or did they just work on image management and rug sweeping or worse yet, blame shifting to you? That will help you to decide if that's a viable relationship or not for you. I did a YouTube video a while ago with the letting go manifesto to help you stop the abuser from holding you back from good things coming in the future. I called it that instead of forgiveness because of how loaded the word forgiveness is and how tempted you might be to go into a codependent type of forgiveness, especially in the early stages of recovery. In that video, I talked about how sometimes you might decide that the abuse cut too deep and went on too long for you to forgive the person in the traditional sense of the word. A lot of people found that manifesto really helpful. I've extracted that audio portion of the video on to forgive or not those who have trespassed against you with the Letting Go Manifesto. Here it is. So I have for you guys my, what I would call the emptiness manifesto. I don't want to use the word forgiveness because again, I know that's a loaded word. You can call it letting go emptiness. I'm going to call this the emptying manifesto. And this is what I've written to no longer allow the abuser to hold you back the good things coming in the future so I, i tell myself these things over and over again and i see how i feel you know how alignment how in alignment am i with that phrase or not with that feeling or not and i keep working on the ones that i'm still struggling with so number one and i'm going to use the word she feel free to use she or he however you wish whatever pronoun i'm thinking of my mother in this case so i'm going to use the word she number one i can accept that she is who she is and what happened happened. I recognize that I have no control over that and I release my wish for it to be any different. Number two, I can allow myself to really feel the authenticity of my experience. The feelings of anger, betrayal, being unsupported and not feeling safe or worthy. Number three, I recognize I no longer want to allow her or the memory of her to hurt me any longer. I choose to not allow her to sabotage my confidence or success, nor to disturb my sense of peace and joy. Number four, I give myself permission to prioritize my peace, my joy, my health, sanity, and well-being now and moving forward by applying healthy boundaries. Number five, I no longer tolerate abuse, use, mistreatment, or manipulation. I allow myself to judge and label abuse and abusers for who they are. Number six, I allow myself to release the feelings of anger, hurt, betrayal, bitterness, resentment, and hatred in my own time and as I feel ready without forcing it. I acknowledge there are layers upon layers of this release that will take place over time and I am patient with myself in this process. Number seven, I recognize that these feelings do not mean I am a bad person nor do they mean I am not a spiritual or religious person. Number eight. I liberate myself from the pressure to love the abuser just because of her relationship to me or just because she is a sentient being regardless of other people's perspectives and judgments of what I should do or how I should feel. Number nine, I no longer allow her reality, her behavior, or her words to make me feel any less or that I should be anything else than who I am. And number 10, I release myself from the false guilt of having to reconcile the relationship or having any contact with her. And so it is. So I hope this was helpful for you in your own forgiveness or letting go and emptying process after the abuse. I know it's very challenging when you feel all these feelings, when you've been through years and years of this treatment. You know, Like I said, it might be a lot easier to forgive your ex who you knew for some months or a few years. It could be a lot harder to forgive a parent who you spent decades with or maybe you were married for 20 or 30 years and it's kind of like having grown up with a parent because you spent decades with this person and there was so much hurt that took place during that time. I hope this episode was helpful for you in dealing with this confusing and painful topic of forgiveness after abuse. If you're looking for licensed therapists in your area to help you recover after narcissistic abuse, you might want to check out BetterHelp. That's betterhelp.com backslash innerintegration. It's a portal of licensed therapists who provide affordable online therapy at your convenience. You'll see the link in the show notes. That will take you to their intake questionnaire. Be sure to select trauma and abuse as one of the areas that you want to work on so they can match you with someone who has experience in that field. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Inner Integration Podcast. I hope you learned something today that helps you to see from a new perspective and to start using new tools so you can take action and transform your life after narcissistic abuse. Remember, you are enough. You matter. And you got this. If you liked this episode and want to hear more, subscribe to get automatic updates on new podcast episodes as they're released. Visit us online at innerintegration.com where you get instant access to a free quick start guide to recovery after narcissistic abuse upon entering your name and email. You'll also find their digital courses that have already helped thousands of people move through the self-healing process. Get loads more free inner integration content to help you heal after narcissistic abuse on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Big hug to you.